the Western Revolution Show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest version of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well. You know, we love being back in the studio. We love being in this space where you and I have that opportunity to discuss what's going on in our lives and how we can be revolutionary, not only for ourselves, but for our families and for our communities. That's what this show is about. It's an opportunity for us to dialogue about how we find and embrace the healthiest version of ourselves. I hope that you are always working towards your revolution. And if there's any way possible that I can help you, you know that you can contact me at Charles Corporal on Facebook or WY Revolution on Facebook and Twitter and then What's Your Revolution on Instagram. I am always here to help you think through, work through, and hopefully finalize your revolution. I want to spend some time today thinking about my hometown. You know, it was interesting as I sat at my favorite pizza restaurant, I began to get calls from family members and friends asking me, are my people okay? And I began to say, what do you mean are my people okay? And they said, haven't you heard? And no, I hadn't heard. And I began to turn on the TV, CNN, MSNBC, Fox. A man had gone into one of the municipal buildings in Virginia Beach, my beloved 757 began shooting, killed 12 people. I want to thank the first responders who went in and saved the lives of the others. But there were 12 Virginia Beach residents, people that we love who were lost that day. There was a man who decided to go into a building and take people's lives. And so I wonder what was on his mind that day. What was going through his heart as he said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm going to walk into this building. I'm going to start shooting. I'm going to take lives. That should say something about his mental state. And that, that's something that I haven't heard in the conversations that have been going across the airways. What was this man's mental state? And being that he was an African-American man, right? It sits with me a little bit more. Knowing the struggles that we face in our communities, knowing the struggles that we face in our families, and our homes. What made this man walk into this building and take lives that were black, white, Hispanic, mothers, sons, aunts, uncles, children? I wonder, I hope that we can find answers, but I send out my love to my people in Virginia Beach. I grew up there, I went to Green Run High School and anybody that knows me knows that I bleed Kelly Green, royal blue and white. And I am a stallion for life. So I send my love to my people and for those affected directly and indirectly by this tragedy. I hope you know that us here at Western Revolution send our love and our prayers to you. As we think about this and we move forward, it's Men's Health Month. And we think about this as I go back to that tragedy. What was going on in his mind? What was his mental health state? What was his physical state? And so we begin to think about how do we help men prosper? To think through about what's going on in their health, right? When do they need to go to the doctor? When do they need to go see a mental health clinician? And so I began to think, who did I want to have this conversation with? Right. There's only a few people that I can chop it up with, you know, to have that conversation. And I said, you know what? Who is this brother that I met a long time ago with a shirtless jean jacket on? Do you remember that, dear brother? Do, 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 you, do, you, do you remember that? I don't remember that. You don't remember I that? Had a shirtless jean jacket? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the sleeveless. I don't oh, want to sleep. The sleeveless, okay. sleeveless right. jean jacket, right, dear brother. Right. It was single de Mayo. Mm -hmm. I think I was I may have been in grad school or just coming out of grad school because I, I haven't been back to Superior for single de Mayo man, in a, a long uh, man. That's what my boy Quince Griffin. I tell you, oh I got a good goodness. memory. But I'm here joined by one of New Orleans stalwarts when it comes to mental health. Right. One of the people that, you know, if you think about mental health and you think about right curing, right, or providing 
assistance and knowledge and wisdom around what our young brothers need around the mental health, it's my boy, Don Francis, right? You know what I'm saying? And the interesting thing about, you know, we don't just like, this brother's got two names, right? This is real. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Don Francis. You don't just call him Don. It's Don Francis. And everybody knows and nuances this brother because he's the one who cares for our young brothers as they come into court, right? To give them the type of therapy, the needed counseling, the needed wisdom and mentorship that they need as they come in and say, you know what? I've made a mistake. And it's interesting that one of, one of our people have said that we can't judge us by the worst things that we've done in our lives. You know what I'm saying, Don? You know, so brother, thank you for coming on the What's Your Revolution show. Thank you for having me, Charles. Man, it, 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 is, it, is a, it is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. And we just want to make sure that people know who Don Francis is. And so let me ask you our signature question. Hmm. What's your revolution, brother? Brother, I think is to walk as if I have 3,000 of my ancestors at my back. Mm. And, and be a superhero that way, brother. That, that, that's the mentality I've had to develop, man, in this type of work. It's mm. definitely a gift to be on the mission for our children and staying connected to our ancestors. It's, it's a beautiful walk, man. It's Sometimes it's a lonely walk, so to take your ancestors, they're always with you. Right. And that walk has to be prideful because you think of Big Mama and... <laughs> your eight generation great grandparents yeah you know? no and doubt so, about that and my brother. people are from uh natchitoches louisiana by way Tell of the story brother by way of haiti and jamaica mm. my great-grandmother came from kingston and so she would say donnie boy don't ever do anything to embarrass the family man that is the 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 talk that we have that mm -hmm. our parents that our ancestors had with us my father would say the same thing you know <laughs> boy don't you go up to that school embarrassing me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All the time, man. So, mm -hmm. yes, no doubt, man. Tell us more, brother, that, you, you know, it's interesting that you say, I'm walking with 3,000 of my answers behind right. me, right? Yes. That's a cape, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. a superpower. Mm -hmm. We don't often hear that. Tell us more about your lineage and your history. Well, it's, it's definitely became a spiritual walk. I don't, I think I've grown into this. I think... Uh, being from New Orleans, having heritage that came down the Mississippi, uh, uh, one side of my great grandparents came down, uh, the Canadians and Haitians came mm. down, and uh, I heard that story. Uh, Philippe Celestine that came down in the 1700s, and ended up in Natchitoches, which is the, was the original first place of Louisiana. Right. And so uh, they were the people of Cane River. Okay. So that's my family. And right. so learning that history, it really gave me a foundation to walk from mm. that was courage beyond maybe my own individual heart. Right. And, you know, a lot of prayers and just, uh, you know, just trusting that fate, having that fate to walk in. Because, brother, uh, you know, the journey with our little soldiers, our little brothers and sisters in New Orleans is, is beyond us. And so it's definitely been one where I, I lean, lean into their courage, the youth, as well as our ancestors in this journey, because it, it's, it's no individual alone. It's a community. So I really thank you for having me. Man, it, whew, I'm, I'm just touched and you're welcome, brother. And I'm honored just to be in space. We have been friends for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because we don't get to talk as much as we would like. But there's always a, a reverence and love when we see each other. And if anybody could see Don Francis now, oh, you know man. what I'm saying? Uh, this is probably <laughs> one of the sharpest dressed brothers that you will know. Coming here with, with his striped polo, jeans, cuffed, you know, with his Gucci's on. Got his Gucci Stop, slippers man. on. Stop it. But what makes the outfit, dear brother, is the summer hat with, 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 the, with the ribbon. The blue, red, blue and red New ribbon. New Orleans, baby. It is New Orleans. And that, that is one thing you know about New Orleans when you are prideful about who you are as a man. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And you, as you said, dear brother... I'm bringing 3,000 ancestors behind me. Mm -hmm. There's a pride that you have when you walk mm -hmm. around the streets, right? Right, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a pride, there's a reverence, but there's also a humility that I see with you, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, interesting, I, I pull back for one second because I want to make sure that we understand 3,000 of our ancestors behind you. We are struggling mm -hmm. in New Orleans right absolutely. now, right? We're having... 
a, a summer that uh, that has just begun, but we're seeing so much happening. I won't even say violence, so much happening to our young boys, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And America has said for the last 10 years, we're going to pour into them, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to pour funds. We've got foundations all over the country saying we're going to pour millions of dollars into young African-American men. Mm -hmm. What's going on right now, right? What's going on? And how can we use the strength of our ancestors to help our young brothers? Man, that, that's a that's a heavy load, brother. That's a that's a dissertation. <laughs> I, but the the small um, uh, anecdotal and, and the little research that I've done, and, and and it hasn't been long. I mean, this is my 29 year in working with children Ooh, and families, wow. which is not a long time. It so, is ooh, 29 years. Um, I have you don't look 55. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I started in, in in a high school tutoring kids uh, and just uh, working with special education kids, okay, and, as well as gifted kids, just tutoring. And so um, I was uh, what 16, 17 years. I was young, man, and I I, I realized early on that. Those supportive backbone foundations mm. are, are some of the things that have slowly evaporated mm. as a part of our structure. Right. Um, you know, uh, with the uh, grandmothers coming into school, bringing in cookies or to the church and uh, tutoring kids after school or just staying late. I mean, the community, the village raised me. So, you know, those are the pieces I try to uh sustain which has right. been difficult but those those are the gems man that really held us together it got me started right right mm -hmm. and so are you saying that those small pieces are missing right mm -hmm. they're, they're missing the the grandmothers who have the space to bring that community support to the school are we saying that we're missing fathers and mothers who don't have time to be integral parts in our children's education and we know you know, we could sit here and spend a whole show, Don Francis, on <laughs> New Orleans educational and its charter movement and how it has arguably mm -hmm. failed our kids, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and but arguably because we can make arguments to and fro mm -hmm. for it. But what you're saying is what we're saying. We're seeing this string of mishaps because mm -hmm. I don't want to label it the other things. Right. Sure. We're seeing it. We're seeing a. Uh, uh, an onslaught of our young brothers making poor decisions that are mm -hmm. hurting their opportunities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so how do we bring the forces of our ancestors, mm. right, back to them to give them the, the fodder, the feed, the, the nourishment, mm -hmm. Don Francis, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to make better decisions, right? To think through how is this going to impact me, not today, mm -hmm. right? five, 10, 15 years down the road. Mm -hmm. How can they rely on our ancestors like you do? Well, let me, I'm going to take a step back and it's very important because it's a part of the foundation of our conversation. Uh, two people. One was uh, Dr. David Satcher. I got to listen to. Uh, he was the former Surgeon General. Exactly. And uh, that brother started, I heard him speak and got a chance to meet him and spend a little time, very short period of time with him. He spoke about the early 80s working in the emergency room mm. in, in uh, Los Angeles and, and having to uh, try to help the Crips and the Bloods after a shooting. Right. And, and, and the, the carnage that he saw. And, and, and what was interesting about uh, Doc was he talked about um, how he would get up three o'clock in the morning and go to the shootings and try to support families and 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 brothers and you know it really became real to me like it's not these are our people this is our family these are our brothers and sisters and so to fast forward to today to watch um not only you know poverty or violence just so many risk factors um i've learned there's a structure to this and so there was a gentleman his name is dr rudy russo he actually won mm. the uh the highest honor american psychology award in minnesota and i just want to pay homage to him i've right. studied under that brother for 10 years he's from annette street and right here in new orleans really he left over 45 years ago to work at the amherst wilder foundation which has a program called project kofi okay which does about 27 years of research on african-american males and school-based mental health and so i was able to um, really look at the data and kind of understand systemically 
um, the risk factors that were affecting us as uh, a people and, and our families and the disparities. And so it really became clear to me that I wanted to be a part of this as a change, mm. an agent of change. Right. And I wanted to join the community and find out systemically. Here's the question. So when you say to me, um, there's, there's, we're losing our brothers. I go, the opposite for me, there's a study called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yes, yes. And that study, and everybody's kind of, you know, it's it's caught on around the country, but they talk about the loss of uh, 15 to 20 years on a life. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. that That chronic stress. Yes. And so that, and and Dr. Russo calls it toxic stress. Yes. And so what what I took that as my motivation is to say, how do I add 15 years to a young brother's life? Tell the story, brother. Exactly. (laughs) We'll change that narrative from deficit to asset. (laughs) Right. Right. So, 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 and I can laugh because I know that when I come and I meet a young brother or family, I look for the nucleus, whether it's mom or grandma, whoever that caregiver is. And I sit down and I listen. Right. And that's a powerful tool as practitioners. We may need Tell to the story, brother. We may need to get back focused. It's those small things. Those right. are the gems of active listening, man. It's the most powerful tool. Powerful thing. And you, you think about that. Mm, brother, you've just dropped some pearls. And I, 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 I love that, brother. You know, I talked with my uh, my graduate school advisor all the time about the, the ACES, Dr. Michael Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to him. I wouldn't be the man that I am, the the, uh, the, the former professor, the thought leader, the all all the things that, Amen. you know, I have been afforded Respect. without Dr. Michael Cunningham, uh, professor at Tulane, uh, associate provost now, doing amazing things uh, in the work of African-American men. Mm-hmm. But we talked about that and that... The stressors, like you, you could take one stress, right? You know what right. I'm saying? I got some tough, I got some tough homework, right? Mm-hmm. I got two stresses, you know, mama's, mama's kind of yelling at me mm-hmm. over some stuff, right? Three stresses, right? right? You know what I'm saying? I just saw my boy, right? Right. You know, uh, shoot up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he overdosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. I just saw my other friend get shot in the street. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm really. Right. Those additional stressors, it, it, it mounts, right? And the research says, you know, post four cumulative stressors, right? You know, since since you wanted to go, you want since you wanted to go all research on <laughs> Doctor Corp. Right? You <laughs> know what I'm sorry. No, man. no, That's no. The I'm, stuff. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Right, but the, the research talks about it. you have that cumulative stress, right? What, what happens, right? Mm-hmm. The brain, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. begins to change based on cumulative stress, Absolutely. right? Your frontal lobe, right? Your in a, your, your ability to think. Right from um, uh, um, how do I want to say a, a corporate executive function? That's that's, right. that's the word executive that I'm looking for. Thinking, correct. right? Correct. Exactly becomes demurred, mm-hmm. and so uh, our young brothers, our young sisters, whoever with all that stress, are making poor decisions. Right? Correct. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is, is that if I can add, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've got to this space, right? And so people need to understand that you are a, a, a court clinician. Mm-hmm. You're almost that last line of defense. Absolutely. Right. Before, pre, uh, so they call it pre adjudication, right. which is the step before you are adjudicated as an adult. So you're a minor charged as an adult. Correct. That, right. And so you, you've done something. Absolutely. Because, they, right, a minor charged as an adult, mm-hmm. you've done an adult crime. Mm hmm. And so, you know, and we could, again, spend a whole show. Yeah, yeah a whole <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah, we could spend a whole show. But you have become that line of defense to say, you know what, there's something there. There's an underlying structure. There's an, a series of verse childhood events that have led you to this point in your life. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, you are not the worst thing that you've ever done in your life, but you're here. Correct. How can I, right, this master's in psychology, this clinician, right, Mm -hmm. this award-winning psychologist that you are, I'm here for you. What happens in that initial conversation, Don Francis, when you're talking like, Mm. you know, we're here together. Well, I'm a, so I, I got to say, you, <laughs> hey, man, you, you're making me step back because it's, it's, it's definitely to be acknowledged that to how you can even do this type of work. And so um, a big shout out to the, the United Way and Children's Bureau of New Orleans for allowing us the space to even come together because uh, the public health model, uh, uh, 
there's a gap. And so um, a lot of times there's not funding to spend the time on the engagement and actually the psychoeducation that families need. And so you have to come in and hey, uh, clinicians or practitioners are uh, meant, to, you, you know, you get one hour. Right, so, which is never enough. Right, and so to squeeze that time in the, to to listen to a mom talk about the layers, it it, it it's, it's almost disrespectful. Mm. And so I have stayed with moms for three, four hours as right. long as mama would talk. We've had we may have had a glass of lemonade. Uh, oh, wow. They've invited me for dinner, which I've almost stayed, but I haven't <laughs> stayed. But but to say that to you know people lives, you have to take that time. And so that first session is really to look mama, grandmama, the caretaker, sometimes dad, stepdad, grandfather, uncle in the eye, uh, and just to be able to soak in that story, take it in, mm -hmm. and not just listen, but to be engaged and be present right. and be nurturing. And that's a skill set that we have to practice. I have to remind, you know, to, to, to when a young brother, and you work around masculinity, mm -hmm. doctor, you, when a brother hears someone say, brother, I'm here to support you and nurture you, it's almost like foreign. Wait. Yeah, it is, it is fun. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Cause nurture, hold up, bro, what do you Come mean? On. Right. So, well, yeah, you know, no, no, take it back. But so, I just I just know that you, that that's a little like, wait a minute, you care. So when you started doing the work um, with the last administration around uh, masculinity and I heard words like nurturing, I mean, it, I really got excited because right. uh, to have another spokesman uh, nationally or globally that can travel and talk about. This is a guy who's affirming me. It's like when you listen to Jay-Z, it's like, yeah, I can relate to that line. I can right, relate to that. And right. so um, I really respect what you're doing and saying when I can say to a mom, hey, you know, I'm just here and and we'll do whatever it takes to listen. And so I've had to come back. I mean, that's one of the things educating uh, the public around just how much time it takes to heal. Yes. Yes. So, so, that, so heal from those everyday traumas. Right. Every again, the struggles that happen so much, and regardless of your space, because we keep thinking we want to attribute all the trauma that happens in low-income communities. Oh no! And, and I must say this: this is this is a this is a, 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 a when you hear trauma, right? You hear okay, like what does that mean? And so, anything that causes me distress mm -hmm. or emotional overload. That's a conversation we're not having. You, you could have lost your cat. Um, you you could have a dad in the military who's 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 had to go back to Iraq or right, Iran. Exactly. He's been reinstated. Um, I know a, 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 a he was a lieutenant and he did three world tours. Mm. And his son, it was the 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 trauma of watching his dad leave and not knowing if he would return. Right. And every day he would get up and look at that door. And so waiting. That's right. Waiting. So, you know, it, uh, it, and this was a middle class family. This kid was an honor roll student, mm -hmm. but he was experienced in the same stressors. Right. Uh, as, as as a young man living in, in Yemen. And like, will my dad make it home from being bombed wow. today? And Tell so, the story. And so uh, the data that uh, I've had a chance to be exposed to showed kids living in New York City when Jeffrey Canada brought the uh, children's. Children's uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Harlem Children's Zone. Harlem Children's Zone, uh, they compared Yemen to New York, to living in Harlem. Shut up. Yeah, and so those those things are the motivators for me when I say, if a child can come to school, he can get himself dressed in the dark, and he hasn't eaten in two days, and he can get excited about coming to school. Who am I to not show up right. early mm. and stay late? Tell the story, And brother. so that's when I say 3,000 ancestors. Yes, yes. yes. So, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We, look, we were, we were on it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, keep going, brother. I love it. Um, and so just to stay specific, so we'll, we'll meet with the families. And like I said, a lot of time, it may take... Why, uh, the word here is trust. Right. To allow uh, uh, someone in their home, in their sacred space, I have to make sure I honor that walk. And so um, building that trust is the first step. Right. And I'll, I'll tell parents uh, and, and kids, don't trust me. Just let me come back. Right. 
And I'll, I'll build that. That's right. I'll build that. And so th- that, that's language from, you know, our community. Uh, when I grew up in Train Park, uh, my mom and dad grew up across the street from themselves. Right. And so I, when I walked in, yeah, when they, they wow. knew each other since they was eight years old. <laughs> wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. And so, and that's they're still story. friends. They're divorced, but they're still friends to right. this day. We have Christmas together. And they're Shut divorced. up, man. And so what I'm saying to you is that I really did grow up in a village. And so yeah. I was able to... I didn't know that everybody didn't have a dad or a mom. And, you know, I'm watching so many grandmothers raise children, you know, whether it's incarceration or death of a immediate family member. And just going in that first day, engaging families, actively listening, building trust and coming back until that wall, we, we break that right. wall down together. Let me ask this question, Donna. It, it keeps coming up in my mind. Why is it having conversations with mother, grandmother, father so important? Why is that the first step instead of not instead of going to the child first? There's a great question. And I, I often we, we battle with the young practitioners around, <laughs> you know, you can't just see the kid. You can't just if I if, if I don't know where this plant is growing, I don't know how much sunshine mm. this, this plant may be growing out of the concrete like Tupac. <laughs> so the water may be limited supply, bro. Right. There may be right. no shade. It's just, it may be overexposed to the sun. <laughs> and so that's, I go to kids' homes and I, I say, I want to take me to your home, brother. Let me let me meet your mom. Let's, right. let's enjoy your two-piece together. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Give him a wing and a leg, huh, bro? And, 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 and sometimes that's what it takes. And, and you know, we are, that goes back to the answer. Yeah. We are, we are, you, you must identify the people's culture and we must listen to that culture. And so I'm not going to go, you know, uh, my grandfather's from Brooklyn, you know, my grandmother from Jamaica. I might bring some plantain, some plantain, <laughs> you know, for grandma. Yeah. And, and then on my other side, the Creole side, I might have to bring, you know, some shrimp and grits. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that paying attention. Yeah. Not, not, uh, assuming anything and mm-hmm. just really I think my clinical skills I always tell um, young practitioners let's go back you know get the training and, and continue to evolve like you I've watched you I continue to evolve your your practice and your craft and and you know salute to that because just staying motivated and, yeah. and learning because it's continual you know for our, our our babies man just staying there and um, I've, I've really uh, allowed the data to soak in it and drive yeah me and then big mama so tears to answer your question you need the foundation at the table yeah you have to bring whoever that child lives with who he's guided by i want to understand their value system their moral system i've worked with um uh brothers grandfathers who were vice lords and gangster disciples and wow. outside of chicago right. came to minnesota and i couldn't tell a little young brother he's five years old, I couldn't denounce his what he That's had came blood. from, right, his family. Exactly. And so to learn and understand the culture of where a, a young brother is raised from the south side of Chicago or uptown New Orleans, Central City. And so I have to honor that process yeah. as a as a as a, a clinician. Yeah. Because in essence, that's their ancestry. Correct. You know what I'm saying? That's the ancestry. And understanding that allows you to say you know what i'm gonna turn this around how can i add as you said early 15 more years to your life absolutely yeah and uh, we all want that the, the, man we do the brother the brother who was raising his uh kids in the suburbs who was re- near retirement for the army he wanted the same thing my boys from the south side of right. chicago and my kids from uptown wanted and mama who comes to court and cries her eyes out. and i want to say this that the judges including mia Cantrell, i think people are really um trying to look at what we need to do differently. Right. I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing a different dialogue. We just have to continue to bring people aboard and, and expose it like what you're doing today. Right. We try, brother. You know, we, we are trying as much as we can to illuminate this process because what, what I'm seeing right now, dear brother, is a slow erosion of people caring about the outcomes of our young brothers, right? It was hot, right? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We, mm-hmm. we got boys and men of color fun, funding tables. We got mm. philanthropy putting all this money in, right? But I kept saying, I kept thinking to myself, like, this is going to end. Mm-hmm. Philanthropy doesn't fund for, right? Right. Long periods of time. Right. They're going to test. 
Right. Correct. We're going we're gonna to fund for three to five years, right? The, Kellogg said we're going to be here for a generation. Now, I'll applaud that. I'm never going to say anything bad about Kellogg, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. here. Much respect. Yeah, yeah I'm much here. Respect. Part of my part of my lineage is you, Kellogg. Right. You and a, bro- a cohort of brothers. Yeah. I, I watch you guys. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, but what happens when that generation is over and, mm-hmm. and hopes that, mm-hmm. you know, things change? Mm-hmm. And when things don't change as quickly as we'd like them to happen philanthropy says you know individual donors say well you know we tried we can mm-hmm. say that i can put this little check mark right and we tried and so it then falls back on us as community members to continue to do the work absolutely you know and so i keep seeing this erosion in terms of instead of black men and you know mm-hmm. it's it's boys and men of color mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then as well maybe it's something else now right mm-hmm. maybe something else is hot and we're seeing those funds those dollars mm-hmm shrink shrivel yeah, up definitely lean times yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it, exactly when mm-hmm. we were like ooh, let's right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um thank god for howard stevenson and forward promise mm-hmm. the work that they're doing at robert wood johnson but we Absolutely. still need to continue to figure out how do we push our agenda around young african-american males and and i definitely want to respond to that the, the the mathematical equation is you know something that i've always been driven with just the numbers of life and to say that um when you can show business owners the return on investments by having young men uh learn uh, about Mm self-regulation learn mathematics half the school programming the return on the investment is immense i think it's probably all it's don't quote me on this i think it's about three hundred dollars a day to keep our boys incarcerated um and so um, to educate a young person and to rehabilitate or uh, to work on healing, you know, is something that a conversation that we continue to need to have. Um, because let me take a step back. Most of these young people, in order to even participate, these are kids who are, let me give you a picture. These are kids who are physically, physically, sexually abused um, mm. had experienced some type of high level of trauma. Right. And what is that? Car accidents, fires, Hurricane Katrina, watch grandma die from stage four cancer right in your arms. Um, these are these are high level. And so to be at this table, there's, there's other parishes in the country have $12 million of funding doing this type of work. And so we're one department. And so um, the, the thing is to share light to be able to do the work. Right. And I think um, every shooting, here, here's the math, um, a shooting in a community in front of a business store will cost, that company can cost up to a million dollars. Wow. And so when we had the shooting down on uh, Broad in front of Jazz Daiquiri, I, I talked to that owner the next morning and was like, man, what can we do? To come out, you know, and, and support support them, right? Yeah, because you, you begin to think that yeah. this is this is associated with correct, yeah. And and ten people were shot, and I believe three died. And so even just reaching out to the families that were, you know, in that area who lived in that area, I knew some children who lived in that area, and so and those guys are still trying to do things to heal, invite right. the family out, and come out and and be a part of that dialogue with council members, mayors, uh, residents, because we're all affected when, when these things happen to people. So We are. We are. And that, as, as I think through all of this, Don, what does healing look like? And that, mm. that, that's, that's the thing, right? Because everybody who listens to the show, they'll be like, okay, we, you've, been, you've been spending a copious amount of time talking about. Correct. Right? But I want to know, Charles and Don, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What does healing look like? Because I've been through this trauma, right? Mm-hmm. I might have been in this space. Yes. And maybe maybe I, I, I've made a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was able to move up a rung or two, but I'm still hurting. Right. What does healing look like, Don? Yeah. Well, well another dissertation, man. So <laughs> I have to just lighten just the give load. Me, just give me a couple yeah, things. I'll man. give you a couple. So what, what we've used is evidence-based practices. What does that mean? So trauma-focused therapy was actually used... Um, early on with children who were actually survivors of war. And so the, the data comes back, the, the pre and post test, looking at, you know, um, these kids' level of 
uh, how they deal with hypervigilance, how they deal with becoming numb in the body. Mm -hmm. And through actually having conversations and writing, not about the actual trauma, what happened to them bad, but rewriting the narrative of your life. And I talk to young brothers a lot about this isn't about the crime you committed or what happened to you. This is about how do we develop a life that you want to lead. Right. Post. And post. Correct. Yes. The life that you uh, will be able, when we when we start saying, I'll say to a, a, a 12-year-old, 16-year-old, one day you're going to have a child. Right. What does that look like? What does that look like? You're going to have a wife. You're going to be called Grandpapa. And so we developed the narrative, brother. Mm. And so you have to heal through your story to rewrite it. And, and, and when you can rewrite the story, you actually can become a superhero. And, and I'm not saying that in the sense of just surviving. I'm saying to thrive. We're there, brother. We are there. We <laughs> are there to thrive. As opposed to yeah, surviving. Exactly. So that's why I come in here with the hat on and right. they say, brother, I'm inspired by your resiliency to even still be alive right. and you're a fighter. But like, how do we change your trajectory? We change your life and, and, and do positive visualizations where these brothers can visualize themselves in places like you've been to Bali. I say, brother, the sand is between your feet <laughs> and, and, and the coconuts are behind you. And so to visualize them there, to actually take them there, I say, tell me about that. I say, did you see it? And the brother said, yes. yes. I said, that's the power of your mind, that's son. That's the power of your mind. And so having those visualizations and, and the repetition of building, rebuilding those connections, those how those neurons are firing in your head oh and, and, and the, the dopamine is released and I can get a brother's heart rate up by using a djembe drum right. and then we can bring it down and right. so I'm saying brother you're releasing right now these are good things that are happening not cortisol come on dopamine come on right yes, right sir. like for, for my nerds you're, yes. a, you know cortisol is that stress hormone exactly dopamine is the dopamine is is that uh hormone on our body that says you know what I'm excited it's okay I want to do this again Right. Exactly. I want to do this again. Now, dopamine can be bad if you if over. you're an addict over, right. over. Right. But if you like you said, if you can visualize what that life is right. like. But what what stuck with me in, in what you just said is the, the creating the narrative mm -hmm. that is different. Yes. Right. Rewriting the narrative, seeing yourself mm -hmm. in a space as Papa. Right. Yes. As dad holding your child. Mm -hmm. Think about it, holding, holding your child, loving your partner. Mm hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Loving on your partner, going outside and seeing the refreshness of the day. Yes. That's a different life. Right. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, it changes because you may not have seen that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you visualize my, my good friend, Dr. Eli Beatty um, talks about this in his miracle morning. Mm. Right. The miracle morning is a uh, six steps, meditation, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading and writing right each morning an hour 10 minutes 10 minutes six steps right but that visualization piece is so key can i visualize and that's the hard part for people yeah because the mind begins to go back this is what i know absolutely the right mind, yes absolutely and if you have had a negative experience it's automatic that we'll go there and that's okay and we allow that space but we we want to push right in a direction that allows you to even be able to use positive language if i smile in yoga if i smile my <laughs> brain thinks that i hey i feel right. good i'm I, happy i, I right? love yoga that's right, right. exactly I, I, it may be tough i got a smile I'm, I'm doing something right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the one thing that i noticed about you don is that in that narrative for you that i see mm -hmm. is the power of community mm. Right. Mm. Don Francis doesn't roll alone too often. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. Don Francis has a beautiful wife that he brings with him. He's got his family members. Yeah, He's got a community, kids, you know, kids. <laughs> right. Don, what you doing today, brother? I've got a, 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 you know, a cookout that I'm going to. I'm going to hang out with my brothers at Zulu. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm doing the this. Respect. So community has been. Truly big. Is that a part of the healing narrative where Absolutely. you can build community that says, you know what? These are the five people Absolutely. in my life that show me who I am. Is that what our young brothers need? Dr. Five C different people that give us community Dr. that are bigger than us. Dr. C, I'm going to give you a formula and you and you're, you're hitting it, man. And that's why it's so great to be here because you, you you're hitting it on the head. Um, 
So there was a gentleman, I can't recall his name, uh, but he's from Minnesota and he studied cancer patients as well as uh, college students. And so what he was looking at was the development of the brain. And so this is going to connect to your answer. All right. And so bear with me. And so what he discovered was that even if the brain had cancer, it could still continue to learn. So even as you're dying, you can continue to learn new material. And so he came up with this list and this list consisted of you need one supportive person. You just need one. One. Exercise. Diet. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Which you probably don't get enough of. Man, I don't. Living a good life. Right. And uh, there's one that escapes me and it'll come to me, but those four things are really essential to just expanding, extending your life. And so when you say six, no, you don't need six people, but you need one strong, consistent person right. that shows up yes. and supports you. And and that's what part of the formula. And if we could work on just those things, you right. know, 80% of your your diseases in your gut, your diet. And so I was, right. uh, I'm a, a, a attention deficit. I tell all my kids, I, I was diagnosed with attention deficit. And I tell them that not for empathy or sympathy. I tell them that because once I removed sugar from my diet, mm. I was able to calm myself down right. and add things like meditation and yoga and just walking. And so I'm a product of the work myself. And I share that with the world. I share that with professors. I share that with, um, judges and, and, and just in Big Mama because these kids can make it. And so I believe in them. Yeah, man. L just listening to you because now you've got into the crux of what we we do here at this show. Right? Right? How do you find and embrace the healthiest version of yourself? So what I heard is that one, I give myself to something greater than my greater than who I am, right? I spend time with families. Correct. Right? And children who need me to show up for them mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but if i if i can't show up right because mm -hmm. I, that means i haven't taken care of myself but you're saying for me to show up every day mm -hmm. right i gotta take care of my body absolutely i gotta take care of my mind and i gotta surround myself with loving supportive people of my own who see me absolutely right absolutely. and seeing me means that you have to be vulnerable don mm -hmm. right come on you got to be vulnerable dear brother so what does that look like right because oh, you know it comes up every show that as i call it, the dreaded v word come for men on, right on. and don you know we, we meet we talk i remember yeah, i remember brother. one day we were walking We'd gone to maybe CVS to get some stuff, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not going to divulge what the conversation was about. <laughs> but it was a very vulnerable conversation between two men, right, mm -hmm, as, mm -hmm. as we develop. And I was like, wow, right? This is how friendships are formed. This is how relationships continue to build. The, mm -hmm. You have those vulnerable moments, right? Right. What does that look for, like for you on a daily basis where you can find a space to be vulnerable? Well, there's a saying by one of my brothers. His name is Walter Powell. And uh, he... he he was my spiritual prayer warrior and he taught me this man he said d you gotta be willing to get naked <laughs> and i got uncomfortable man i was like whoa whoa brother hold on slow down you know as a man and you know somebody trying to be strong it was it was the first time i had heard another brother mm -hmm. say he was he was saying to me he wasn't saying d get naked he was saying Brother, I embrace you and all of your frailties all of your vulnerabilities any of your mistakes and that takes courage to even say that to another male and so to provide a space where brothers can say you know i have to sometimes share with the little brother i say brother i have um been in some situations with the law before brother i have um smoked a joint before right i have to say these type of things to young men who are they are the state of hopelessness and so this is a real thing involved secondary trauma and so being vulnerable man is you know, first I'm I'm in tune with the great spirit before I go there. Because right. that way it's sincere and it removes mm. my ego. Tell the story, brother. You know, our ego, it can get in the way, huge, man. Huge, huge. And so I have brothers around me that check me. I have a mother. And see, if you don't allow your parents or somebody to check you, man, you're going to get off your base. Man, don't don't let my mother hear that, brother. 
because she didn't try to check me all the time. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, hold on. <laughs> but I definitely, no, 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 I definitely understand. Go ahead, brother. Keep, no, you know. I'm just going to say, man, it come down to even being, you know, when I'm with my family, man, I'm 45 years old, man, and my mama say, Lil Dump. <laughs> man, look, my father still calls me Dump. That's his. That's my childhood. Nigga. Yeah, I put it out there. That's that's vulnerability right there, dear brother. Right. So we being vulnerable. Yeah. No. Look, my father's ninety. Has Alzheimer's, man. Mm-hmm. But look, I get on the phone. Hey, and he calls me dad now. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, dad, mm-hmm. how you doing? And he start dump, and then he's like, dump. How you doing? Mm-hmm. And it brings a little tear to my eye Real because tough. you know Respect. what I'm saying. So Respect. they still, still, you know, Respect. that reverence. Right. My mm-hmm. mom still calls me Chucky. Mm-hmm. Right. I said, don't call me that in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Real Chucky, Chucky. Real like my my name is Charles. <laughs> right, you know, it, it, you hitting it, man. Yeah, and but but that's that opportunity for us to be in space with family, to be vulnerable, and for people to see that, right? Right, right. You know, uh, right. and to have people around you that you feel comfortable enough that when they say Don, mm-hmm. you're messing up, brother. Mm-hmm. Right, you right. take you take a step back. Yeah, you know, and yes. say, whoa, wait, wait. Yes. Right. The yeah. the other thing that I heard, dear brother, is that. We have to let other people know that it's okay to be in your walk. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I was mm. on the, on the on. phone today with a, a friend of mine, right? And she was dealing with some stuff, right? And she was crying and going through that. And she was like, I know you're judging me. I know all these things. And I said to her, I was like, because you know what? I've been in the same space that you're, been, you're in right now, right? I know how it feels. So I'm not I'm not judging you for anything, right? Any behavior, any choice that you've made. But sometimes, dear brother, you know, as I read Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, right, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that we have to get past the shame. That's real. You know? Come on. Because if I pull all the way back to Come this on, conversation, brother. Don, mm. many of our young brothers are committing acts because they have been shamed or they feel shame absolutely right and Um, shame is a powerful powerful tool yeah right yeah shaming you right absolutely and so shame means that i i I feel bad you've made me feel bad about myself right right Right. and now i've got to do something when you as Brene brown says when you are shame resistant come on right you're gonna do things to reclaim yourself and oftentimes they are harmful to you Mm -hmm. and to others absolutely but what we have to do with our young brothers is they must be shame resilient, mm. right? Mm. To overcome that visceral feelings, Don, mm. in us to say, you know what? Right now I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling and I really want to hurt you. I really want to do something. Mm. But you know what? I need to let that go. Mm-hmm. To be shame resilient means that I can just say, you know what? That's not me. You can shame me all in one. You can guilt me. But in this space, right? I'm okay. It's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can get our young brothers to really process that in the moment, because it's hard, right? Because what happens when you feel shame is that flight or flight response, yep. right? The That's fight right. or flight you got it. response mm-hmm. that, right? Oh, wait a minute. I got to, I got to, I either got to run for the situation mm-hmm. or fight. Mm-hmm. And too oftentimes our brothers are fighting mm-hmm. and it leads to lethal mm-hmm. occurrences in their lives or someone else's lives, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, it's really interesting that if we can get past shame, you know, mm-hmm. really. And that's that's that vulnerable part, dear brother, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. so it really just makes me think about you, you know, and watching who you are and how you move in space. You know, we, I remember on that walk mm-hmm. that day, mm-hmm. you talked about the love of your life. All right. What does this mean for you now? Right. To have this person in your life as your rock, as your support, right? Mm-hmm. That, that she has, you know, she can be a beacon for your ship. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for you? Well, man, we, you know, I, I, this is, I, you know, you give me a lot of credit, man. And I have to give my wife and my, my kids the most credit. I think they've kept me grounded, you know, and just understanding the vulnerabilities of life. Um, we, uh, we lost, uh, my uh, mother-in-law two years ago to breast cancer and i started to hear that dear oh brother. no but you know it's been a blessing man and we had this we had the most sacred time you know her last days mm. and i share that with you because you know my wife was a rock man and she i think she was stronger than all of us <laughs> you know it's her mother and right <laughs> i'm crying <laughs> but you know a lot of people have this experience with cancer and what what we was at duke university which they rank like 
number four in the world right. for Tough. dealing yeah, with cancer. Good. And so, man, we, we, the people were coming to our room because we were laughing. We were in there celebrating her life. They was like, what's going on in there? Is it a birthday party? <laughs> and she was there for her last treatment. Right. And, uh, man, it was a, like a, a spiritual awakening of when you understand affliction can be a blessing. Mm-hmm. And that's what my wife taught me. Right. Man. Like, just being able to be vulnerable, humble, to be clear and transparent and allow that person to accept you as that. That's what she taught me. Right. Because, you know, as brothers, man, we, you know, I want to be cool and I, I and suave. And my wife, we're a blended family. Right. And so much, my wife was like, look, man, <laughs> it is what it is. Right. We going to rock or not. And, right. you know, I, I, lay, I, I lead with my spiritual foundation and, and she's been patient with me. Having a a, a a woman who, brothers, I tell you one thing: if if you can be free and and be open and just allow yourself to be all of the best of yourself, and like brother Charles said, your revolution. My my wife allows me to be in full brigade of my revolution. Whoa! And so she <laughs> she holds me to a high higher standard than I held myself. Yeah, in. and that's I easy. and and and. My mother-in-law told me this before she passed, man. She said something, and I never heard this before. And she said, you're going to have to be great. And I kind of looked at her, and I was like, what does that mean? Right. And it just means what you've been saying all day, the best version of the yourself. The best version and of yourself. And that's what we want for our brothers. And yeah. so through your partner, through your partner, you can, you can look for you to be able to be or be able to be vulnerable so you can find the best version right, of yourself. Right. And that's what my wife has allowed me that safe space. Man, look, you have said the most poignant thing that any guest has ever said about their partner, that she allows you to be in full brigade of your revolution, right? She's sitting at the, she's sitting at the foundation. She, she is your, your, your rockets, hey. right? Yes, sir. You know, and, and, and that's, the, look, let me tell you, that's what exactly. So, ladies, right, if you step into Dr. Charles Corporal, I need you to help me be in full brigade of my revolution. If you cannot do that, peace, peace homie. Facts. Because, you know what I'm saying? Because you have laid it out, right? And I want to say, give a shout out to your beautiful queen, Zoe. dear brother, you know. Look, our, our time is running short. Oh, no, you know, I, I know is, our time is, running, time is running short. <laughs> Shout out to my man Jazz here Jazz. at the Millhouse Mil Studio where we record the What's Your Revolution show now and all his valiant work to bring this show. Don, I want to thank you thank for you, being a, 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 an amazing, amazing guest. And look, this show is going to be fire, man, right? Thank you, you know, fire as our people listen to how we help our young men, how do we be focused and vulnerable, you know, with ourselves and how do we bring the full force, right, mm. of our ancestors into our work, you know. So if you've been listening today, you right, are going to hear fire. Yes, you have heard fire today, and you should be able to take some of the wisdom, every bit of this wisdom back into your life. And so we thank you for listening every revolution. day. You know, all the time that we come on here on the What's Your Revolution show, I want to thank you for being supportive of what we do, you know. Each day, I want you to answer this question, right? And I think it's the most prolific question of anyone's life. It guides me every day. What's your revolution, everyone? Have a great week, and we will see you the next time. Take care. Peace.